Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast. I'm your host, Darren Campbell. And joining me after a couple weeks off, a couple uh, week hiatus, uh, we finally get our regular Monday guy coming in, giving us great takes on the world of sports. Uh, So happy to see you back, buddy. Uh, Welcome back. Uh, We really missed you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good to be back. I had to take a little minor hiatus over what had happened with me. Fortunately, sometimes when you get into a car accident, some things can happen, like injuries. So um, I'm recovering now. Uh, it, it's going to be a while till I'm fully recovered, but uh, at least I'm still here. And that's the most <laughs> important thing. Yeah, very happy to hear that. I'm glad you uh, came out of, yeah, not too bad a shape. Uh, I understand the pains there and, and that, but uh, luckily uh, it could have been worse probably. So uh, glad you're back. Uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, I know you're not at hundred percent, but, uh, your, your takes are going to be hundred percent tonight, aren't they? Yeah. Well, yeah, well, at least something's going to be hundred percent. How about that? Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, well, uh, it was an awesome weekend in sports. Um, I couldn't believe how much was going on. Uh, we had the USC return for USC 273, um, the masters golf tournament, uh, super fun to watch. Uh, baseball's opening weekend, the last weekend of the NBA uh, heading into the playoffs, and the F1 uh, Australian Grand Prix was uh, an amazing race. And oh man, it just kept coming. So much sports. Uh, Triple G fight uh, Saturday night, which was awesome to watch. Um, just couldn't believe, uh, yeah, how how many different sports there were this weekend. Things to watch. Yeah, no, there was a lot of sports to watch, um, but the least of which was obviously the UFC that happened on Saturday, yeah. which I was definitely paying attention to. Actually, pretty good. I I, I, I quite enjoyed the events. Yeah, no, that was uh, that was a good card, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to break it down with you. Um, two two kind of lousy uh, things that happened. Well, not kind of lousy, but really lousy things that happened this weekend. Uh, um. I guess I'll touch on them first. Uh, from the world of football, we heard that Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Dwayne Haskins was killed uh, um, in a uh, accident. I guess he was walking and uh, was hit by a truck and at 24 years old, uh, lost his life. Uh, pretty uh, shocking news to hear across the wire uh, over this weekend. Yeah, very shocking. Uh, you never expect somebody to... Uh, pass like that so suddenly um, kind of reminds me a little bit to a lesser lesser extent uh, of Kobe Bryant and how that happened like when things of this nature happen it's just completely shocking and it just takes you off your feet because you don't expect this to happen yeah um, yeah I, I, this is not meant to be funny this is not meant to uh, take light of that at all but uh, <laughs> my phone got run over this weekend and to me that was a pretty bad tragedy uh i lost all my contacts i have no way of getting hold of friends family um i'm just lost well the last couple days uh they they said it was 300 just to replace the screen on my phone uh so i got a brand new phone wasn't able to download any contacts uh luckily somebody gave me yours today or uh i'd be doing this solo again and uh yeah i 
I just can't stand losing phones and having that to happen. Uh, I'd, I'd have to make a, a list somewhere that's not on my phone to have all my friends and family. I'm, I'm really worried. I'm supposed to call my uh, nephew for his birthday tomorrow, and uh, I have no idea what my my family, my sister's phone number is. And oh man, it's just uh, uh, so many things kept coming up over the last couple of days, and I just had no way of uh, connecting with anybody. Yeah, that sucks, and that's that's why we we depend on our phones because we do not remember phone numbers anymore. So I would say suggest to you this time around with your new phone, make sure you you put your phone numbers up to the cloud. So that they're always there. Put them up to the cloud. Yeah, I thought they were, but somehow I don't know. The cloud just blew away, and <laughs> it doesn't have it doesn't have my numbers. So yeah, I'm super lost, and um, yeah, I'm gonna get in trouble with my sister if I I can't get a hold of my nephew. It's his 13th birthday, so a big one, uh, first teenage years, and uh, yeah, I was really looking forward to calling him up and chatting uh can't get a hold of my dad uh just got back from the island uh, saw him but uh yeah i wanted to chat with him today and uh yeah just no connection with anybody luckily i got the same phone number but uh, yeah hopefully little by little i'll be able to get everybody's number in the next couple of days yeah it, it's it's gonna take a while but you know what it, it's gonna happen people will start phoning you because they'll be like well i haven't talked to this guy for a long time what would happen and you, then you can explain i don't a lot well my phone got destroyed yeah got run over. yeah <laughs> no i should have pulled it out oh my god you should see it it is it's the most destroyed phone I've ever seen. it was pretty bad shape i dropped it on the road and car ran right off right over it and just crushed it so not good not a good thing to happen but uh, as i said an awesome weekend of sports uh, which always keeps me super happy and and really, uh, yeah, I, I'm very excited to, uh, yeah, be watching sports uh, so much, you know, in this time of year, there is so many diverse sports and things to watch. Uh, I, I really want to touch on the NBA to start with, um, because we're uh, on the cusp of the play-in tournament starting tomorrow. The playoffs start this weekend, and uh, I think we'll touch on the UFC after the NBA. How's that sound? Sounds good. Sounds good. Let's go for it. Okay. Uh, so the NBA regular season is done. 75th season. Very historic year for the NBA. Tons of, of amazing things happened this year. And, and uh, one of my uh, most fun seasons to watch in the NBA. Uh, how about you? Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a great season to watch, uh, especially when it came right down to uh, the Eastern Conference and all the teams battling uh, for positioning in the East. Yeah. yeah, it was a great year. Great year. And the Phoenix Suns proved that they were top dog, uh, top class in the NBA this year. They yeah. did really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to talk about these playoff matchups, the play in games and that kind of thing. But I do want to go over some of the really amazing things that happened this year. I don't remember such a historic season with so many big milestones being reached ever. Um, LeBron James becoming the, uh, becoming the player with the second most points in NBA history. Uh, he's the only player in history with 10,000 rebounds, 10,000 assists. He became the youngest player to hit 36,000 points, 37,000 points. And uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the only guy in front of him. Uh, historic season at 
at 37 years old, 19th year. Uh, if he played two more games, he would have won the scoring race this year at 37. Uh, he couldn't uh, get the Lakers into the playoffs, but you still got to say it was a great season for LeBron. LeBron did well. Um, what he proved this year was that, unfortunately, he doesn't have the capacity to drag his team along with him, but he still has the capacity to be one of the best players in the league. And that, that, that's who LeBron James is. That's who he's probably always going to be. Um, he had a, he himself had a stellar year statistically. Yeah. And then for him to break those records and be now just second to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar all time in, uh, in scoring is just amazing because he was never seen as that prolific a scorer at first yeah. until he built himself up to be who he is now today. Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, he's changed his game and, uh, yeah, was a force this year. Unfortunately, couldn't stay healthy. Uh, same with that old geezers uh, Lakers team. Everybody saw they were, the you know, so old and, and wondered, uh, you know, this is a, a team with tons of experience, but they got to stay healthy, and they didn't. And uh, Frank Vogel took the uh, dart today for that. Uh, he was the fall guy and got fired. Uh, in the NFL, we always talk about Black Monday, uh, today was Black Monday in the NBA, and uh, only two two coaches got the axe. But uh, do you think Frank Vogel getting uh, fired today was was warranted? Uh, he brought them a championship. It wasn't his fault. The roster construction and the injuries that they went through. Well, for me, I, I kind of look at the coaches not involved in roster construction. All right, like he, he's just not. Uh, the person that's involved in that, the person that <clears throat> has to take the lead in that and the roster construction is the general manager. So the, the, the problems that the Lakers are having, I would put that on the GM more than the coach because the GM was, was instrumental in putting that team together. And I, and I myself thought there was many, many problems with that team, number one, being too old. And number two, I didn't understand how Russell Westbrook was going to fit within their scheme. Yeah. And then it showed that he really kind of didn't. So I, I would call out the GM first. I think Vogel did the best with what he had. And if somebody was going to fall on the sword, it was always going to be him. Yeah. I, I saw the press conference with Rob Palenka today, and he did admit that roster construction was one of the key elements why, why they didn't have their success. But, uh, but he still, uh, you know, fired the guy and put, put him as the scapegoat and, and tried to save his job. We'll see if Jeannie Buss and, and others think that uh, he's still um, capable of bringing this team around. Uh, I don't know how they're going to be able to fall out of this mess, though. They, uh, they've got uh, the big three, uh, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook, uh, and uh, not a lot of young talent there to try to entice guys, make some more moves. Uh, do you think the Lakers are going to be able to pull out of this next year or even in a couple years? Unless they become up with some ridiculously great schemes for trades, no, because all of the, their young talent, all of their draft picks and stuff are gone. Yeah. Done. So, you know, like that, the only way that they can maybe get them save themselves is by doing some really, really uh, intelligent trades, which I still don't think is going to happen because I don't know if there's a lot of pieces there that other teams want. Right. Uh, 
do you think it's time to cha- uh, trade LeBron? Uh, he, he He's talked about wanting to go and play with his son. He's not going to be a lifetime <laughs> Laker unless the Lakers draft his son. Uh, do you think it's time to try to get pieces for him and, and just blow this up and rebuild from, from what they can get from LeBron? It's always an option. Um, and it's a possibility, but the possibility only arises if I don't know if he's still under contract with his current uh, contract. I'm not sure of that because if his contract is up, then he'll just walk. But I don't think that's the, that's the case. I believe he's still under contract. under contract. So he'll be traded somewhere. But if you're going to play, trade LeBron, I'm pretty sure he'll probably want to say where he wants to be traded. Yeah. And then that would be the problem. If he's going to say a destination point and then they're just like, well, there's, I don't think we can get you there. Then that's a problem. So, yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> uh, this is the salaries that uh, they will have to pay next season. Russell Westbrook, 47 million. LeBron James, 44.4. Anthony Davis, 37.9. Uh, Horton Tucker, 10.2. Kendrick Nunn, 5.2. Stanley Johnson, 2.3. And Austin Reeves, 1.5. So those are the contracts. Those seven deals are the ones they have on the books for sure next year. Uh, that pretty much puts them over the, the salary luxury tax already. And, and uh, yeah, I don't know how they can pull this together. I think you got to blow it up. I think you probably got to get rid of all the, all the big three and uh, yeah, start from scratch. Uh, it's, it's an absolute mess there. Uh, LeBron James uh, had a press conference today and he said, I didn't really consider this year a failure. And uh, almost everybody that heard that had to be just flabbergasted by his delusional viewpoint of this because this was this was this team was supposed to go against Brooklyn and uh, face them in the final and uh you know to finish that far down in the standings not even make the play in tournament uh 15 16 games below 500 uh yeah this this has this is more than a failure it was an absolute train wreck disaster I I would have to agree with you on that uh, there's a lot of things I agree with LeBron on, and there's some things I disagree with him. I would disagree with his assessment of how the team did this year. Um, that that's not that's not a passing grade. That's a failing grade because he didn't even make the play in t- the playing tournament. He didn't even make that, so that that's no good. And and once again, we talked about this before at the beginning of the year. Anthony Davis couldn't stay healthy. No. Always thought that was always going to be a pressure mark, even when he came to the Lakers, even when they won. It's just like, well, I think it's only a matter of time before this guy cannot stay in the lineup. And this year proved it again. He couldn't stay in the lineup. I don't know what he's doing with his training or how he's taking care of his body, but maybe that's something that he should actually take a little bit more of a deeper dive into because whatever he's doing is clearly not working. Yeah. Yeah, it's shocking how he has not been able to stay healthy pretty much his entire career. And, uh, yeah, it's been a – a disaster other than that title that they run they went on in 2020 um, uh, this team has not been good with him there uh frank vogel was 127 and 98 in his three seasons won that 2020 championship but he will walk the plank i don't know who they can get though who do, who can manage this team who can take over these three big alpha male guys and and make it work uh, do you do you know any nba coach out there that can Come, come in and, and do a good job with these guys. Is Phil Jackson going to come out of retirement and they get Phil and they get Phil again. Cause I, I don't, I don't think so. 
Yeah. And it, it's unfortunate, man. I, I think to be honest with you, I think they might just hire within the group in their, in their coaching tree and maybe yeah. get one of the assistants to come up to be the head coach and give him a shot. Because right now, as I said before, with their Ross construction team's not very good. If I was GM, I'd hire John Tortorella. Oh, <laughs> of course you would. Of course you would. You would want absolute chaos. That, that's what you would want. Yeah. You'd want absolute chaos. Yeah, Didn't well, I think that's what they need. They need a guy to come in and yell and scream and, and tell people upstairs, hey, you know, this this is stupid. Don't get these guys. Get these guys and we'll win. What the hell are you doing? Like, I don't know. I don't know how you know it works with a guy that's just just a yes man. Yes, LeBron. Yes, LeBron. You need a guy that's just gonna flip out. He's gonna come in. He's gonna just make sure that everybody listens to him and and uh, does something better. Because obviously, what LeBron uh, thought would make this team better, getting Westbrook, was a horrible, horrible mistake. Well, it just wasn't. It just didn't make any sense. Yeah. It just didn't make any sense. Like with the way that he plays, with the way that his game is, I just didn't see the fit between uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I just, I did not see how that was going to fit. It was like putting a square peg in a round hole. Doesn't work. It doesn't work. And I don't think that worked either. It just didn't work. Poor Westbrook. Westbrook's a phenomenal player, but yeah, when it just doesn't work and most people can see it, it's just never going to work. So uh, Alvin Gentry was the other guy that uh, had to walk the plank. Um, he was just an interim head coach, never did get the full rank of, of head, full head coach. He replaced Luke Walton partway through the year. Uh, his record was 24 and 41 with Sacramento. And I don't know, that's another mess franchise that I don't uh, know too many uh, coaches that are going to want to uh, run to that to position, but uh, yeah, two jobs open. Uh, we might see more as the as the week progresses. We might see more teams making a change. Um, as I mentioned off the top, 75th season, uh, a couple of the other notables I want to mention is Steph Curry getting the three-point record this year, passing Ray Allen, uh, 2,974 threes and counting. Um, that was a special moment. That was really cool. Uh, something that's um, sort of just evolved over the past uh, you know, few years since Steph has been in the league. Uh, I think a lot of people always recognize Ray as being that amazing shooter and Reggie Miller being uh, you know, number two. But um, you know, seeing Steph chip away past both those guys and finally get that record, it was, it was momentous for this league and the way this league has, has been going. And, and great to see Steph pull it off. What, a, what an incredible guy. And, and a great role model for kids. And uh, nice to see him uh, get that record finally. Oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful to see. And it was beautiful to see that uh, the way that, um, uh, because they were at an away game when he won the record and the way that that team embraced him and the fans embraced him for that moment in time. It was, it was just a, it was a great thing to see. And he was so, so deserving of, of, of that because of all the hard work that he's put in. And the fact that he's now literally, it's not an argument anymore. He is the greatest shooter that we've ever seen in the NBA across all generations. Yeah. All of them. History for sure. Yeah. He's, he's the best ever. Uh, it was on full display at the all-star game. He hit 16 three-pointers and uh, got 50 points on the day. 
Uh, LeBron got the three-pointer to win the game at the end. Uh, the buzzer beater, as they call it. Uh, both guys born in the same hospital in Akron, Ohio, the all-star game in Cleveland. Uh, but the best part of that whole entire weekend was seeing the top 75 players named. And almost all of them are living. Almost all of them attended. Uh, it was a special moment for me. Uh, I just couldn't believe to see all these great legends show up and all the top guys that are still playing. Uh, it was it was a really, really, really momentous moment for me. Yeah, it was awesome to see. It was awesome to see the interactions. And couldn't be prouder of our lone Canadian yeah. that represented out of the top 75, which was Steve Nash. Yeah. Only one. Only one Canadian out of all of them. That's Steve Nash, and I, and I couldn't be prouder for him to be on the biggest stage, being praised and represented with the fact that he's he's earned all of that. He's earned all of those accolades, man. Yeah, it was it was it was special, and it was awesome, and great to see Steve there. Yeah, uh, he's uh, he's in Brooklyn now, trying to get those crazy nets uh, farther in the playoffs. But uh, that's 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 something we'll talk about in a few minutes. Uh, okay, I need to mention a few other things. Chris Paul. He became the uh, he he actually ended ended up becoming the uh, got, getting the third most assists all time and uh, one of only two players with twenty thousand points and ten thousand assists. Um, a guy that's uh, had a lot of criticism earlier in his career because he could never take the teams farther. Uh, finally went to Phoenix, was able to take his team all the way to the final last year. Uh, best team in the league this year, and uh, great to see a guy finally notching himself way up the, this leaderboard and uh, showing what he's best for, dishing that ball off to the scorers that are going to put the ball in the hoop. Yeah, and, and the one thing that Chris Paul's always been good at, one thing that has shown up in stats and statistics, any team that he goes to gets better. No. Always. They no. always get better. You add Chris Paul to your team, your team is just that much better with the Chris Paul on the team. And that's exactly what they did. He did for the Phoenix Suns. Once he got to that team, that was them turning the corner, turning the corner to becoming a championship team. That's what he brought to the table. That's true. Yeah, he sure did. Incredible. Yeah. It's been fun, fun to see him go there and, and team up with Booker and, and DeAndre Ayton and the, the rest of that franchise and, and really make them, uh, incredible team. Uh, they got their um, franchise record winning. Uh, they, they won the most games uh, ever in the franchise's history this year, and uh, they just blew the competition away in the entire NBA. They were by far the best team. And uh, I feel like, yeah, my prediction is going to be a rematch uh, in the, the finals this year. I think, I think we're going to see Milwaukee and Phoenix uh, in the end. Wow. Rematch. Really? Heard it here first. <laughs> Rematch coming up. So. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's highly possible. I don't know. The East is going to be a really hard one to pick. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a dog really? fight. Yeah. It's yeah, it's going to be a dog fight there. That's for sure. Uh, okay. Let's mention a few other things. Uh, Joel Embiid, a really, really amazing year this year. Uh, first center to lead the league in scoring since Shaq in 99-2000. Uh, first uh, center to average over 30 points a game since Moses Malone 40 years ago. And the first international player 
to ever lead the league in points per game scoring. Um, yeah, a phenomenal year. Probably the MVP. We'll hear that in a few weeks, but uh, really amazing for him to just keep pounding at it. Lost Ben Simmons, had to try to acclimate James Harden in there, but just kept pumping in 30.15 rebound games and, and had a really epic year. Had a great year and more importantly, managed to stay injury-free. Most important thing for Joel Embiid. Managed to stay injury-free and just showed like that uh, MVP quality that he showed the previous year against, but Joker won it. Yeah. And those two guys, both of those, uh, uh, Nikola Jokovic and Joel Embiid had ridiculously good years this year. Yeah, Jokic, speaking of him, he's the only player in NBA history to have a season with 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 500 assists. Uh, historic MVP last year, uh, pushing Embiid big time this year for MVP as well. I think um, because Denver ended up falling down to the sixth uh, sixth place in the West, uh, he probably loses out, uh, but uh, an amazing year as well. And and pretty nice for another international player to have those types of numbers. Oh, yeah. Another international big man having, like, ridiculous numbers because the way that he plays the game is simply said we've never seen a player like that. No. It's, it's, it's almost as if he's like a, like a huge Larry Bird with his passing ability and skills. No. Actually, you know what? I'm not do, I'm doing Nikola a disservice. He's a better passer than Bird. I think he's a way better passer than Bird. He's probably one of the best passing um, players. It's it's coming to the point where we might be one of the best passing players, period, that we've ever seen, regardless uh, of position. Yeah, you're right, yeah. Uh, speaking of another amazing uh, international player this year, Luka Doncic became the youngest player ever to record 40 career triple-doubles. Um, he tweaked his calf yesterday, and I think all Mavericks fans – Probably uh, had a sleepless night last night waiting for the results of an MRI today, but uh, supposedly it's not that serious. They think he will be ready for game one of the playoffs. And uh, that was really good news because uh, if he goes, uh, Dallas is done, but uh, fun guy to watch. And I'm excited to see him in the playoffs again. Yeah. And the second half of this, uh, this season, he really picked it up and Dallas uh, really turned it around them and they just started charging up the west uh in wins and racking up wins they're going to be a problem in the playoffs yeah i mentioned milwaukee as my favorite to come out of the east uh Giannis, uh this year became the all-time milwaukee bucks point leader passing kareem abdul jabbar who we mentioned uh leads the entire nba in all-time scoring and lebron's chasing him down uh okay there was a few other big not notables uh, four guys this year had 30-plus um, points, five, uh, five three-pointers, five or more three-pointers in a game in five straight games. Uh, you can probably name the first three. The fourth one might be tough. Uh, do you want to take a chance on all four, or do you want me to name a couple and you, you get the last one or two? Well, I'm just going to go with two right now, I think, that I might have, which would be Trey, Trey Young, uh, Steph Curry. Am I right? Steph Those Curry, not, not Trey, not, not Trey, not yet, not the season. Oh, shoot. Steph, okay. Steph's definitely one. Steph is definitely one, not Trey. All right. 
Luca? No. 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 Shit. Um I, I another guy that's really famous for long three pointers. Long three pointers. Oh. Oh man, I'm drawing I'm drawing a blank. I'm drawing a blank. Oh, Dave. Yeah, you know what? I wouldn't guess Dave because Dave has been pretty much on the shelf for like yeah, the last. He's been hurt for a while, which yeah, surprised me. He got them done early in the season. The other guy's Harden. Uh, Harden. James Harden. Uh, a lot of yeah, a lot of people you know saw him that type of shooter. Uh, but the fourth guy is really surprising. Uh, Toronto Raptor Gary Trent Jr. Oh wow! Okay, five okay. games in a row where he had thirty plus points and five more, or more three pointers. Pretty That's nice. impressive. That's impressive. Uh, okay. This year, two guys scored 10 or more three-pointers in a single game off the bench. Uh, it's only happened four times in history. Uh, back in the day, Danielle Marshall with the Raptors, J.R. Smith with Denver way back. Uh, this year, two guys were able to pull it off. Uh, Danilo Gallinari and Kelly Oubre. Both got more than <laughs> pointers coming off the bench. Wow. Wow. That that's that's impressive. That's impressive, man. Yeah, incredible. Um let's see. Oh, Pop uh Greg Popovich, the all-time winningest coach in NBA history. Uh pretty historic moment for the coaching ranks and for Pop himself. Uh three-time coach of the year, five-time champion. And now the winningest uh, surefire Hall of Famer. And uh, one of those guys that everybody seems to love, except media, really, you know, because he's kind of grumpy. But <laughs> uh, good on Pop. Yeah, good on Pop, man. Um, yeah, he, he's he's kind of uh, curmudgeon, I guess, when he, he talks to the media. Really kind of difficult to, to talk to. But it's a great accomplishment by Popovich. He's been doing it for a very long time, and he's one of the best to have ever done it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, as I said, historic, historic year, 75th year in the NBA. Um, really incredible. Uh, you know, all the things that happened this year, and uh, I'm excited. Um, yeah, going forward into this play-in round. Uh, tomorrow we've got play-in games. Uh, let's try to break those down a little bit. Uh, the first game we're going to see tomorrow uh, the Nets are hosting the Cavs. Nets ended up uh, winning four in a row and um, getting into that seventh place position. Uh, they're going to host Cleveland, who finished eighth. Uh, four o'clock Pacific, seven o'clock Eastern time. Tip off. Um, yeah, what do you think? Uh, what are you predicting here? I think the Nets are going to have a very tough time getting past the Cavs. I think the Cavs have really proven themselves to be very good, especially with the fact that uh, their front court is big. They got a bunch of big people there with Evan Mobley, uh, Jared Allen, uh, Larry Markinen as, as a big front court. So the Nets are going to have a problem with that. And the fact that, unfortunately, the Nets won't have their superstar, one of their superstars, playing any home games. Yeah. And that would be Kyrie Irving. So it's, it's going to be a very much an upheld battle for, for the Nets. And they're going to definitely have to lean on KD to do a lot. Yeah. Uh, no, Kyrie's allowed to play now. They've uh, they've allowed him to play home games, so he's back. Oh, oh my goodness! Yeah. 
So him, him sticking to his guns finally worked out for him. Would you look at that? Yeah. Wow. Uh, he was only able to appear in 29 games this year. Obviously, one of the main reasons why uh, Brooklyn ended up falling into that seventh place position. Uh, KD also missed 21 games with an, a left MCL sprain. Uh, James Harden decided to put on a fat suit for his uh, fourth franchise and and uh, walk ended up walking his way out of town. Uh, and then in the trade that they did with the Sixers, they got Ben Simmons, who mysteriously came up with a back injury uh, from not doing anything for nearly a year. And uh, we haven't seen uh, him on the court either. So uh, it's been a mess there for Steve Nash's team. Uh, it's been pretty crazy there, but, uh, yeah. Do you think, uh, with Ky- Kyrie, we got KD, we've got Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, uh, a fair amount of good pieces there in Brooklyn. Uh, do you think, um, yeah, you don't, you don't think they're going to be able to beat the Cavs? I think it's, I think it's just, I think it's going to be hard. I think it's going to be hard because of like just, uh, the dysfunction that that team has faced all year. Like, I, I think it's going to be actually a tall task for them to beat the Cavs. I really do. And uh, the fact that their other superstar, their other, like, their, the other part of their big three hasn't even taken the court, and it looks like it's not going to be able to take the court at all this year. Very disappointing, I'm sure, for the front office for the Nets. Yeah. Well, there is some rumors that uh, he might be ready for the playoffs if they go on a bit of a run, but uh, not playing for an entire year. How, you know, how's he going to be able to play at any decent type of level? Uh, you know, he's, he's not an offensive guy, but defensively, uh, you know, you got to have your legs, you got to have your cardio. Uh, you got to have that ability on both ends of the floor at times. And um, yeah, he, he just not appearing at all. It's the, it doesn't bode well for him, uh, you know, making any type of difference uh, if he does. No, it, it doesn't because the man hasn't played like top level NBA basketball for a year. You just don't pick that up and be like, all right, I'm ready to go. I'm, 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 I'm good to go. No, yeah. man, it's, it's not going to happen like that. So I don't really know what he's going to provide, even if he can step on the court. Uh, the Cavs uh, doubled their win total from last year. I think they surprised a ton of people. Uh, you mentioned uh, their their top front court, but they also have Darius Garland, who uh, has really emerged as a, a great guard talent. Karis LeVert, uh, you know, I think he's he's an awesome piece that they have there. Uh, they definitely missed Jared Allen down the stretch. Uh, he broke his finger and was out for quite a while, but um, they think he's going to be back ready for uh, the playoffs. Um, Evan Mobley missed uh, five games. He did come back on, on Friday, I believe, uh, but he was out for a little bit as well. But, um, yeah, this is a fun, exciting team. Uh, I think they definitely have a really big shot at, at, at getting into this uh, tournament. Uh, I don't know if they'll beat the Nets, but um, they probably have a shot to beat that 9-10 team if they do not win that first game. Uh, okay, let's talk about the second game tomorrow night. Uh, this is the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves hosting the L.A. Clippers uh, 7-8 matchup, uh, 6-30 Pacific tip-off, 9-30 Eastern. Um, what do you think we're going to see uh, with these two? I think the Timberwolves win. Okay. I, 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 that's, that's, my, that's my pick. Uh, they've been 
on a tear as of late and been playing very well. Yeah. Um, and I and I I definitely pick them to go forward in that in that matchup for sure. Yeah, they uh, they definitely have played great. Uh, they started the season sixteen and twenty. Then they went on a thirty and sixteen run to finish the season. Uh, I love a lot of their talent um, with Cat, uh, obviously Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell. Uh, they've got a lot of uh, top, really top end guys. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see them. Uh, the Clippers. Um, one of the main reasons why they fall they fall they fell so far down was uh, no Kawhi all year. Uh, PG thirteen. Paul George was out uh, forty three games, uh, but they um, they they went out and added some big pieces in Norm Powell and Robert Covington. I think those were really great acquisitions for them. Uh, I think one of the fun most fun parts about this entire series is going to be Pat Beverly uh, returning, getting to face his team. Uh, he played uh, four seasons with the Clippers before uh, moving over to Minnesota in this offseason. Uh, he can really get under the skin of guys and really make them angry, uh, really uh, cause a lot of ruckus and, and troubles, and uh, he'll be fun to watch. Yeah, he, he's going to be a, a disruptive element on the court for sure, which is what he does best, is he disrupts things on the offensive side of the ball against his opponents because of his uh, tenacious defense. So, and that's what he's going to bring to the, that's what he's going to bring to the court. And that's what he's going to do uh, against the, uh, against the Clippers. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Um, LA does have Paul George, Reggie Jackson, Nicholas Batum, Marcus Morris senior. Uh, they, they've got a, a solid team, but uh, I don't know. It looks like Minnesota's, you know, uh, a little bit better, but uh, the Clippers have won five in a row. Uh, coming in, I think they might have put things together, and uh, this should be an interesting game uh, coming up tomorrow night late. Um, okay, Wednesday. Let's talk about the Wednesday play-in games. Uh, we've got the Atlanta Hawks hosting the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, a lot of really good young talent on both sides. I think the Hawks are definitely missing John Collins, who has a plantar fasciitis tear. Um, but Trey Young is, uh, you know, probably one of the most dynamic uh, players in the league now. And uh, the Hawks can rely on quite a bit of uh, their playoff run last year that was really unexpected. Uh, they were able to get a lot of playoff experience and it, it might help them uh, put them over the edge against the Hornets. Yeah, yeah, they do actually have that experience. They do have that to lean back on, but uh... You can't count out the Hornets. They're an exciting young team, uh, and they have a lot of potential. And this is going to be LaMelo's first chance at uh, getting into the playoffs and playing in that situation and in that environment. I I'm very curious to see what the young man can do. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's the early game on Wednesday. And the late game uh, has the uh, New Orleans Pelicans hosting the San Antonio Spurs. Um, yeah, what do you what do you see with these two? Oh, uh, you know what? I would have I would have initially said that I think the Pelicans would have a great shot if Zion was playing, but you know, Zion hasn't been around literally for this season. So um, I, I think it's still gonna be a close game, but I, I think I'm gonna be uh, giving the edge to the Spurs. Okay. Um the Spurs have beat the Pelicans uh, three to four times a season. Um, let's see. 
uh, <clears throat> I think um, the huge, the, the huge things that, that I think sort of tip the scales on the uh, Pell side are uh, CJ McCollin and Brandon Ingram, uh, two really super talented guys that can put the ball in the hoop. And uh, yeah, I don't know what San Antonio is going to be able to bring back defensively to shut those guys down. It's going to be tough. And I think like uh, the Spurs probably defensive scheme is going to have to be like as a, as a total team effort to try to shut those two down who are uh, offensive aficionados when it comes to, you know, getting their shots and getting theirs and creating offense. So they're going to have to focus on them for sure to make, to ensure if they, they can win the game. Um, and so we uh, will also have a former Raptor, Jonas Valanciunas there. Uh, yeah, he, when he's on, uh, he's great and very hard to do. Um, I heard today uh, some of the Pelicans um, um, staff were saying that they might be going with a nine or 10 man rotation, uh, a lot more deep than the Spurs have. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see. Uh, yeah, they're use, use their bench a lot and, and try to, um, you know, use fresh legs to, to beat out pop and uh, send him into a, a second game. Um, but yeah, all these matchups look fun and, and uh, really tight. Uh, most of these teams are only a couple of games uh, separated. Uh, even some of them are tied. Uh, they just uh, won out on uh, match, you know, head to head matchups, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to these four games over the next two days. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be great to see some playoff basketball. It's uh, it's always a good month in April. See some playoff basketball, see some NBA stuff. Yeah. Okay. So out of the, okay. So let's say out of the uh, East, you think it's going to be, who's going to, who's, get, who's ended up in seventh and who's ended up in eighth? I, you know what? I'm going to go with the Cavs. I think the Cavs will end up in seventh and then in eighth. Mm. Ah. So maybe it, the Nets. Maybe the Nets. Okay. Maybe the Nets. I'm yeah. going to do that. Okay. All right. Uh, let's turn to the West. Uh, who you're predicting is going to finish seventh and eighth? Okay. Uh, seventh, definitely the Timberwolves. And then the eighth. I'm going to go with the Spurs. Okay. Great. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Let's, let's get into the matchups that have already been figured out. Uh, we've got the four five matchups and the three, six matchups. Uh, there's games that already been scheduled for Saturday. Uh, the Mavs are hosting the jazz. That's the four five matchup in the West. Um, what do you think out of this, this series? It should be a hell of a battle. I think it's going to be a, like an offensive explosion. I think uh, Donovan Mitchell's already sh already shown us that what he can do in the playoffs and how he turns it up, and he's healthy this year around this time around. So that's a good thing. That's a good positive for the Jazz. The only thing is though, the 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 Mavericks are definitely going to be picking on Rudy Gobert. Uh, Doncic is definitely going to be looking to be hunting for switches for Rudy Gobert so that he has him the top of the three-point line or whatever draws him away from the hoop so that he can take advantage. And that's going to be something that uh, the Jazz are, they're going to have to try to figure something out to yeah. combat that. Yeah, that's true. And obviously, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Lucas strained calf. His status is uncertain at this moment, but 
Um, they, they do have uh, this whole entire week to rest him up and uh, get him ready. Uh, that is the first game on Saturday. Early start, 10 a.m. tip-off here on the West Coast, 1, 1 o'clock in the East. Uh, the second game goes at 3 o'clock, and that's the home country, hometown Raptors. Um, they go into Philly and uh, take on the 76ers. Uh, we all remember three years ago, 2019, on the Raptors' historic run, what happened to those Sixers. Game 7, Kawhi's triple bounce off the rim going through Game 7. We saw uh, Joel, Joel Embiid break down, cry like a little baby, uh, really couldn't take that loss very well. And that uh, was one of the most historic moments in Canadian history, especially basketball. And, uh, yeah, this is great to see this matchup again. And I think uh, the Raptors are going to give the Sixers a real run for their money uh, this year. And, uh, yeah, could pull off the upset. They have the potential. I, I don't know if Joel will Joel Embiid will allow that to happen, but they have the potential for sure. They're a plucky bunch, and they don't quit on themselves. So this is going to be actually a very tough series for the 76ers. I believe they do have the, the capacity to get past the Raptors, but it's not going to be easy. The Raptors are not going to make this uh, this particular series easy. For the Raptors, Raptors have been playing so great lately. They've been on such a run. Uh, they, uh, yeah, they are looking like one of those teams that, uh, yeah, been able to figure it out a uh, perfect way to end the season just on a, on a really good run. And, uh, Scotty Barnes, probably rookie of the year. Pascal Siakam has come all the way back. We've got Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr. OG Ananubi has had a little bit of a, a down year, but he's the guy you can count on to uh, pull out some really big games. Uh, great bench. Uh, Nick Nurse has been really, really, really uh, using this team and, and using it as an experiment, and it's worked out quite well. It's been very fun to watch. Uh, Nick Nurse is actually the name that came up the most today as the replacement for Frank Vogel. Uh, they said the Lakers are going to pursue him wholeheartedly, but uh, why would you want to leave Toronto and go there? Uh, it wouldn't make sense to me. But, uh, yeah, at least I guess it's flattering that uh, they realize how good of a coach he is and how good he could do, you know, be anywhere. Yeah, he's, he's literally like – he's like the mad scientist in the NBA when it comes to his coaching schemes and stuff. He is incredibly intelligent, and he knows his player personnel and where to put them in spots so that they can succeed. Yeah. So I, I, I would have to say that he's – He'll probably take a look at it, especially with how much money that the Lakers could possibly offer him. Yeah. But I think he actually understands the position he's in in Toronto, which is a very good position for him. Uh, okay, we've had a uh, we've had a guest here on the podcast uh, a couple of occasions, uh, Barry Grant Jr. He's uh, he does a podcast out of New York called the All Even Podcast. You can find it on Complete Sports Media. Uh, he's been on a little hiatus lately, but. Uh, huge Lakers fan, uh, but one of his segments, he does dummy of the week. And uh, he said, it's the greatest segment in sports. I always hear him yell it out. Always wait for it every week and try to hear it. Uh, the dummy of the week uh, here on the complete sports media podcast for the one and only time, maybe dummy of the week, but Matisse Tybel gets my dummy of the week. Uh, Matisse decided that he wasn't against vaccination, so he went and got a shot. But he thought 
that one shot was good enough and didn't uh, uh, pursue a second shot. Uh, that makes him not fully vaccinated and unable to travel across the border and play for the Sixers against the Raptors. And that's a huge, huge blow for the Sixers, a huge win for the Raptors because he's one of their best defenders. Uh, he will not be able to play in the games in Toronto, games three and four, and possibly if the series goes on game six. Uh, really, really, really foolish that he didn't know, didn't find out, didn't talk to anybody, didn't get that vaccination done. He's not like Kyrie that doesn't want vaccinations. He just won, got one shot, but that does not allow you to cross the border from U.S. into Canada or Canada into the U.S. And uh, so he's not playing. That's amazing that he missed something that important. Because like, that, that's kind of important. And especially with the fact that it's been on the news for two years yeah. and he never picked up the fact <laughs> that you need two, like you need two shots, man. You need two vaccination shots. You, you never got that part. You never got the memo. Okay. Yeah. Right. Wow. Good like he, he seems like an intelligent guy, yeah. but uh, I'm I'm wondering what uh, yeah what happened. How did he miss? How did none of the Sixers you know uh, notice it either? You know, it's so bizarre that this is happening, and um, I'm hearing that that uh, there's a couple of players on the Celtics that also are unvaccinated, Jalen Brown and Al Horford. And if they would have, uh, if they would have lost the game on Sunday, they had a chance to play the Raptors, uh, but they made sure that they won so that they couldn't play the Raptors because they would be losing those two key pieces if they had to play a series against the Raptors too. So um this isn't this isn't uh, the Raptors going, hey, hey, we can mess up the rest of the team. This is health authorities that are making these rules across both sides of the border. And uh, these guys are uh, yeah, not going to not going to be able to play if they uh, if they face the Raptors. So a big a big coup and a big uh, win for the Raptors. But uh, yeah, I, I just can't believe that Tybull could make this mistake. And and so could the Sixers. Uh, you know, not having him available. Well, it, 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 I don't know. It, it, it's surprising. It's surprising to me that, and because I'm sure they've had team meetings in the beginning of COVID saying, you know, you got to get to like, you know, two shots of this. And then I don't know, there's TV and there's news <laughs> and it's been on for a long, long, long time. Oh. So unless this guy has been like, I don't know, maybe he doesn't live in a house or a cave, he just goes home to a cave. <laughs> I, I don't, I have no idea how okay. he doesn't know that you need two vaccination shots. I, I just don't know. Yeah, shocking, shocking. very shocking. And uh, yeah, I don't get it. But uh, yeah, I guess it helps uh, our Toronto Raptors. And uh, yeah, hopefully they can uh, take out the Sixers and uh, yeah, move on forward. Uh, it's always great in Canada when the Raptors go on a run. Uh, it really becomes more of a basketball city in Toronto. Country Canada gets the support behind them. That 2019 year, uh, it was the first time basketball was more popular than hockey in the country. More people were watching the NBA playoffs than the NHL playoffs. And, and it was fun for a huge basketball lover like I am. Oh, yeah. No, it was it was great. It was a great run. Um, and it's, 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 it's encouraging for me since I'm a huge uh, lover of basketball to see that the, the sport is gaining influence in our country. 
and the fact that our top end talent that's now entering the NBA draft is being represented in, in the upper echelons now of, of the draft. And that's, that's just a testament to how far we've come within our basketball programs here in this country. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Okay. So there's a triple header on that Saturday, uh, the 10 a.m. game, the three o'clock game, and then there's a five 30 game. Uh, Golden State Warriors are hosting the Denver Nuggets. Uh, obviously, uh, all Warriors fans are hoping that Steph Curry can return. He's missed 12 games, and uh, the Warriors were only 6-6 six and six in those 12 games. Uh, if he plays, they've got a, a, a big advantage there. Uh, if he doesn't, um, Denver probably is able to take it out. Uh, Steph, Clay. And Draymond were only able to play together 11 minutes this entire season. Uh, so that's not good. Uh, Clay Thompson is playing some of the best basketball of his career right now. Uh, he actually got 30 plus points in three straight games. And I don't know if I believe this. I don't know if you'll believe this, but that's the first time in his career that he had three 30 point games in a row. Uh, pretty bizarre, but uh, good to see him playing well. Hopefully Steph can come back and they've got the full squad to face Denver. Yes, exactly. Hopefully Steph comes back. They have their full squad. Um, and surprising that that is his first time, Clay Thompson, of doing that. But the thing that I was never worried about was that he would get back to that level that he was always at. Back to his Hall of Fame level. I was never worried about that. I just knew that was going to take him time. And it looks like it has now happened. Yeah. And as long as he has his fellow splash brother in the back, yeah, they're going to be a problem for any team that they face in the West. Yeah. Yeah. Keep uh, your eye out to complete sports media. We'll post uh, Steph Curry's status as the week goes on. If we can get a final determination on if he's going to play, I'll, I'll post that for sure. Um, okay. The Sunday matchup that's already been set as the Milwaukee Bucks hosting the Chicago Bulls. I think this is a mismatch. Uh, Chicago had a really pretty bad year when it came to facing the top teams in the conference, in the league. Uh, I think, you know, their sixth position in the East is, I don't know, smoke and mirrors somehow. Uh, obviously, DeMar DeRozan had a phenomenal year and they've got some pieces there, but uh, their record, I think, is uh, 0-18 against uh, the top four teams in the East. Um, yeah, they weren't able to win against anybody that's that's had, uh, you know, some of the best records in the conference. And that's a problem. And that would be a problem, considering those are the teams that you're going to have to face going down the line. So, yeah, it's not looking good, especially like uh, against uh, a very, very good, tough, skilled Milwaukee Bucks team. So uh, Chicago definitely is going to have to figure something out to uh, attack that team. Um, and unfortunately, I think they're still missing uh, some key members of that team. Is Ball and Caruso still out with injuries? Yeah. 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 And those are their two best wing guard defenders. Yeah. And so their defense suffers when those two aren't in there. And so with that being said, their defense is just not going to be as good as it should be going against a, a top-tier team like the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. Uh I, I, I really like Zach Levine. I really like DeMar DeRozan, uh, Vucevic. Uh, they've got some pieces there. I think that this year is not their year. The big three for Milwaukee with Giannis, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton, I think uh, stomped them. I, I call for a sweep in this one. I think it's going to be over 
fast, and I think Milwaukee will be waiting for the other series to, uh, uh, yeah, finish. Um, okay, so you predicted the Heat. Uh, I'm not, no, sorry, you predicted the Nets to finish eighth, and that would mean it would be a battle between Miami and Brooklyn. Uh, I think uh, Jimmy Butler uh, playing as he did on their run in the bubble, uh, super key and crucial for Miami. But Miami had a really fantastic year, finished top of the East. Uh, do you think the Nets uh, have have a, a chance against Miami? Do you think that this would be a, a series at all? I personally believe that Miami is a better team, period. Like, like overall, their team is better. And I say this because they've had so many people that have been in and out of the lineup for large stretches and large, period, large periods of time. And I'm talking about like Bam Adebayo. I'm talking about Jimmy Butler. But they were still able to plug and play other players in that came off their bench, and they played really, really, really well. Yeah. So right there being said, their team is better. Now, for the Nets to beat them, that would mean that KD and Kyrie would have to go God mode numerous times in that series for them to win. And I don't think they have it in them, to be honest with you. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the other hypothetical series, uh, if the Cavs do finish in that seventh position, they'd be fought facing Boston. Um, I think Boston has been able to figure out that Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum thing that a lot of people didn't think could work. Uh, they've become very amazing defensively. Uh, they seem to really be playing great, great basketball right now. And I think, um, you know, if it's Cavs or Nets or one of the other teams, I, I think Boston wins. I think Boston wins too. Boston has been on, has been one of the best teams second half of the season, bar none. They've been fantastic. They've been great. And uh, they have figured, they seem to have figured it out, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, definitely picking Boston. If Boston uh, ends up facing the Nets, I think uh, Jason Tatum has to be better than uh, one of the big two. He has to have bigger games than KD or Kyrie. Uh, maybe being the top player in the series. Uh, I think uh, Tatum's uh, output is is very, very key for Boston having success against Brooklyn. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, and then Tatum has that capacity. He can definitely be the best player on the court at any point in time. Okay, uh, let's just talk about the West matchups. Uh, you said that you thought the Spurs would make it in the eighth position. That means they face the Suns. Uh, is that a sweep? Yes. Yeah. Sweep. Yeah. Like they, yeah. they don't even, it's, it's, it's not even close. Is that, a sweep? that. is that a sweep? No, no matter who falls into that eighth position. Yes. Out of four teams. Okay. Yes. All right. Uh, okay. Grizzlies had a phenomenal year. Uh, even uh, they were something like 21 and two without John Moran, but uh, this team has looked solid all year and been able to really put together a phenomenal, phenomenal season. Um, you say the T-Wolves are that team that you think are going to fall into seventh. Um, this seems like a mismatch, too. Uh, do you think the T-Wolves can make a series out of it if it's if it's them? They have the possibility to make a, uh, a series out of this. I think Memphis still wins the series, and I think the T-Wolves could make it interesting. I think they definitely win one game, okay. maybe possibly two, 
but I, I believe that uh, Memphis definitely wins this series because they got they got a great young team and they're gonna have a great young team for a long time. Cool. Okay, well, I can't wait for tomorrow. Uh, we got some games. Uh, luckily, both of us are not working, and we can uh, take in a lot of basketball action. Uh, you're kind of on the shelf at the right time, aren't you? I guess so. I guess if I want to look, want to look at it like that, it's like, yeah, I, I watch a lot of basketball now. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. We watch a lot of basketball. Yeah, it's going to be great. going to be fun. So, um, yeah, I can't wait to see how your predictions turn out. And uh, as these uh, next few days come together, uh, Saturday we'll see all the playoff matchups uh, emerge. And, um, yeah, this is going to be a great year. Like you said, the East is really stacked, phenomenal Lots of teams all tightly jumped together. Hard to predict, but uh, I think we're going to see some phenomenal basketball. And, um, yeah, I'm excited. This is the, my favorite time of the year for the NBA. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be great. Uh, let's, let's move on to USC 273. Uh, they had the big fight card in Jacksonville, Florida. We had two, uh, two uh, title fights on the docket, but... Uh, there was a fight that happened before those two that ended up sort of blowing everybody else out of the water. They uh, they got the most press. Kamzat Chimaev against Gilbert Burns seemed to be what everybody talked about before and after. They seemed to just say um, this was the one that everybody was anticipating, seeing Kamzat finally facing somebody with real legitimate uh, experience and skill. And uh, it was a heck of a fight. Uh, one of my favorites in a very long time. And uh, good to see Gilbert Burns give him uh, such a run from his money. He even knocked him down once. Uh, but Kamzat proved that uh, he is a legitimate contender and in, uh, in that uh, welterweight division. And, and uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a phenomenally fun fight. Great fight. They fought each other at every position. Like, like when I say fought each other, like Gilbert Burns did not back up or did not give Kazmat Chimaev anything. Even when he was on his back, he was still throwing punches. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like was it was yeah. to me, it was amazing because they 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 did not take any steps backwards from each other. No. It was by far and away, I'm I'm gonna say that this fight was I thought was one of the best fights of the year so far. Definitely. For sure. Like it indefinitely had one of the best fights. I was super impressed. I was super impressed with Chamayev's uh, will to win and Burns' will to win as well. But uh, Chamayev proved that he is incredibly durable. Burns hit him with overhand rights over and over again, and it, it, it did not stop Chamayev. He kept coming forward. Yeah. Very impressed with the fight. Very impressed with Chamayev's will and his will to win. Uh, they both uh, they both got uh, fight of the night bonuses. Both got 50k for fight of the night. Uh, Dana White after the fights um, during his press conference also announced that Gilbert Burns would give his get his win money too. He got his show money, win money, and uh, the 50k bonus. So uh, good on Dana for being able to reward the guys for the fight of the night and uh, such an incredible battle. Uh, it was uh, it was great to see Jemaya finally face some stiff competition. Uh, he had outstruck his opponents 264 to two before uh, this fight. Uh, only had ever had one significant strike hit him, and uh, yeah, I was like, 
I think uh, Burns is going to give him a run for his money. Uh, Scott Holborn, who I watched a fight with, who we love, uh, predicted that Chemayev would just steamroll him, and so did many. So did a lot of other people. But uh, Burns really showed how tough he is and why he was ranked number two coming in. And uh, yeah, he he really had an opportunity to win this fight too. Uh, but it was uh, it was a great showing by both guys. Great showing by both men. Uh, Burns proved his quality. Uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he should not be falling too far from the rankings. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, not with that, uh, that kind of performance. It was such an incredibly close fight. Chimaev did win, but Burns did not make that easy. No. He did not make that easy whatsoever. Um, yeah, I, I haven't seen such a mismatch with rankings before, but uh, Chimaev had been on such a meteoric rise with four you know, quick wins. Uh, he was ranked number 11 coming in, Burns number two. Uh, Dana White said uh, Chimaev is now number two, but I don't think Dana White has full say on that. So I'll have to see the rankings uh, as they come out tomorrow and uh, you know, see where they have. But yeah, Burns should not fall far down that list uh, if if Chimaev ends up coming in two maybe Burns is just down to three but uh, what do we see Chimaev doing now do you think uh, they're going to put him against Colby Covington do you think he's going to get a shot at Usman already uh, where where does he go from here well I think I think I think you just said it right there it's either Covington or it's Usman and all he has to do is wait and that's that's what he should do all he has to do is wait and see who see what what happens with Usman and then see what the UFC wants to do. But it, it's one of those two guys and that's it. Do you think he has a, a real legitimate shot to beat either one? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I, I think so. I, I'm, I'm super curious to see who's the better wrestler between Covington and, and Chimaev, to be honest with you, because they, that they can make that into a wrestling match. And I'm, I, I do not know who's the better wrestler out of those two. Because, like, I know this, that Covington definitely has an engine that never runs low. But so does Chimaev. He proved that against the Burns in the Burns fight. So that would be a spectacular fight. Yeah. Only thing that's a problem with that fight, though, is that Covington probably would not have a chance to fight Usman. Because, you know, he's already lost to Usman twice. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see what <clears throat> together. Uh, we'll see what happens with Burns and how quickly he can come back. Uh, but to me, uh, that was fight of the night. Uh, as I said, it got all the publicity before and after, even though there was two title fights on the card. This was actually the 600th event in UFC history, kind of a historic moment. Uh, some One of the media guys mentioned that to Dana. Dana wasn't aware of that, but uh, 600 live UFC cards have been held now in the history of the sport. Wow, that is a lot, and that's a that's a milestone. That's a huge milestone, considering where the sport started. Considering that I, I think it was Senator McCain called it human cockfighting, yeah. to now it being a legitimate sport the way it is and where it's been built to. That now it's worth billions upon billions of dollars. Yeah, yeah they've come a long way. They sure have. They sure have, and uh, yeah, I think they still got a long way to go. I think it's going to be the most popular sport in the world eventually, and. And uh, I think Dana White has predicted that for many years. And I think, um, yeah, he's going to be able to see that come to fruition in the coming years. Um, okay, let's talk about the main event. 
Alexander Volkanovsky kind of put himself back into that pound for pound best fighter in the world conversation with an absolute whooping of the Korean zombie. Uh, Korean zombie, uh, you know, got that reputation for all the abuse that he can take and doesn't quit. Uh, Herb Dean ended up saving himself from himself and was able to, uh, to just get in there and say, no, this is done. But um, yeah, did you, were you surprised at how much of a absolute butt kicking that Volkanovsky gave him? Yes. Yes, I am. I didn't think that like the, the, the quality of fighter was that much different between the two. I didn't think that Volkanovsky was on so such a higher level than Korean Zombie that it wasn't even close, right. which is what it was. It was just a difference of there's level. They say all the time that there's levels to this game. Volkanovski's level was clearly way higher than where Korean Zombie's game is at that point in time. Like he just, he, Volkanovski was definitely always a step ahead of yeah. Korean Zombie, and he stayed there the entire fight. Yeah, the entire fight. So much faster, so much more power, just so much better athleticism. Everything about it was just shocking and incredible. Um, I think uh, they're, they're talking about uh, getting that Max Holloway match that was supposed to be he was, that was supposed to be his opponent in this one as his next fight. But he's been talking about moving up in weight. Uh, he wants to get up to lightweight. And um, he's asked for um he's asked for conor mcgregor he's asked for some of the top guys in in that weight class he said he wants to fight either mcgregor or the winner between charles Oliveira and justin gaethje which happens may 7th ufc 274 um uh, what do you what do you see what do you hope uh maybe he fights holloway and jumps up in lightweight too has a couple belts uh, to fight for uh what do you see yeah, I, I definitely see that uh, that the UFC would probably push more for the Holloway fight and not uh, have the weirdness of like, you know, like the champ champ or going for the belts again and stuff like that. I, I think that's probably what their initial inclination would be. Yeah. But not to say that they wouldn't do that. I'm still always surprised, and I get it, I get it, that the call-out still happened for Connor, Even though he's lost four of his last five, five of his last six, even though because of all of that, but he still is the money guy. Yeah. And everybody knows that. And I and I get it. But I'm wondering how much longer is he going to be that guy? Yeah. How much longer is that going to be? If he doesn't win one of his next yeah, couple of fights, I think he's not going to be that guy anymore. But um, yeah, I think he still, you know, moves moves the needle pretty heavily. But um, yeah, I I think it would be smart for guys to fight him over this next couple fights because after that it might not be uh you know anybody caring if uh, he's lost that many yeah yeah exactly like it, it's i i i i firmly believe the clock is ticking on con yeah they just released uh uh charles Olo uh no sorry alex Oliveira, alex cowboy Oliveira, this past weekend uh he was on a four fight losing streak and uh he's no longer uh, part of the UFC family. Um, he had fought uh, 22 times in the octagon since his first fight against Gilbert Burns in 2015. Uh, seven years, his record was 11 and 10. 
and uh, just could never go on any kind of streak, uh, four losses, and and he got cut. Um, I think Connor gets a little more leeway because of the money that he's brought in, but uh, once you're seeing, uh, yeah, lost four in a row or five of six or six of seven and stuff, uh, usually your career's uh, coming to an end with the uh, biggest promotion in the world. Yes. Yes. Usually that's what, that's how it goes. And even if he wants to stay relevant, he's got to start winning again. Yeah. That's, that's the bottom line. Bottom line. In the, in the co-main event, we had a rematch between the champion Aljamain Sterling and the interim champion and Peter Yan. Uh, the first fight between them, uh, Peter Yan uh, had the better of Aljamain Sterling until he had him down on one knee in the fourth round and threw a knee to his face and uh, was disqualified for the foul and handed Aljo the belt. Uh, Aljo and him were supposed to rematch. Uh, Aljo uh, had an injury, uh, so they pit, pitted him against Corey Sanhagen. Uh, Peter Jan won that and won the interim belt. Uh, I thought that Aljo was going to come in with a different game plan and uh, be a lot better than that first matchup because he saw what uh, Jan brought him. He had a whole year to change and, and bring it to him. And uh, he was able to pull out a victory. It was a little controversial because uh, some people think that uh, Peter Jan won this, the split decision, but Aljo uh, retains the belt, a little less controversy, and goes on as the champion now. Uh, you said you had him winning those first three rounds. A lot of people didn't, but uh, tell me why you thought uh, he won that fight. Well, I, okay, so here's here's the way I saw that fight go down. The first round was the one that was in question. Yeah. Second and third round, definitely Aljamain Sterling won those rounds because he took Peter yeah, down, had his back for the entirety pretty much of the second and third round. Yeah. Fourth and fifth round, Peter Yan comes back and wins those rounds. Definitively, yeah. there, there's no there's there's no issue with that. So the question mark was the first round, which was the feel out round. Yeah. I kind of gave I gave it to Aljo because he was busier. Okay. He was busier because of the volume of kicks that he was throwing. And that's it. It yeah. was still a feel out round. It was nothing more than that. And so with what the, the judges saw on their scoring card, then they gave the first three rounds to Aljo. And that's why he won the fight. But it was close, man. And usually when you win those two last uh, uh, two last rounds, the fourth and fifth round, usually you win the fight. Yeah. Usually. Then yeah, I usually the judges are swayed by those last couple rounds. And, uh, yeah, you go, you, you go out with a bang and usually you get the call. I think there was some people surprised. That first round was really tough to call. I, I think um, some people uh, were, uh, you know, thinking it was Jan, but two judges – uh, predicted it was or, or called it Aldo three rounds to two. Uh, there was uh, 16 media members that were polled after, and only two had it for Jan. Uh, the other ones had it for Aldo three rounds to two. And um, actually, 14 media members had 10 8 round for Aldo in, in one of the rounds, uh, the, the second or third round at 10 8. So they had um, yeah, given him such an, a big advantage in uh, you know, one of the rounds where, like you say, he pretty much took him down, had his back, and was trying for submissions uh, the yep. entire time, and, and Jan did not 
did not be it was not able to advance his his uh, position and and Aljo really definitely showed how superior he was in those two rounds. Yeah, yeah, he did. He 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 definitely um made made a better impression of himself in this second fight with Peter Yan than he ever did in the first fight, for sure. The thing about Yan though uh, that blew my mind was his takedown defense. He stuffed 20 of 22 takedowns. Uh, if Aljo gets one more takedown, it's not even close to a controversy. He's got this fight hands down. But uh, for Aljo to only get two of 22 takedowns and still win the fight, uh, pretty miraculous. Yeah, it's, 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 it's incredible. And also, too, it's, it's fantastic for the fact that he stuck with his game plan, which was to keep attacking, regardless if he can get him down or not. To never give up and keep attacking. That's why you have a game plan, and that's why you're supposed to follow it. He followed it to a T, and he managed to win the fight just barely, but he still won. Yeah. Uh, he called out T.J. Dillashaw after, who was cage side. Uh, I think um, I already heard Dana White say, "Yeah, we're gonna probably make that fight." Uh, what do you think about that one? Well, you know, like, I, I guess uh, as long as T.J. can keep clean. No, no peds or anything else or whatever else he was taking there. But yeah, I, I, I like the call out. I, I think that's going to be a very, very exciting matchup and a very exciting fight. I, I think it's a great fight. Great matchup, man. I think the USC had him there to, you know, sort of hype that up. But um, also, um, I've heard some rumors today about Jose Aldo uh, being the guy. Uh, TJ still got some type of nagging knee injury that he's dealing with. Uh, so uh, what about Aldo and Aljo? Both good because Jose Aldo, Hall of Famer, uh, as tough as they come and has been at the mountaintop and been at the peak for such a long time. So either one is good. Yeah. Either one works. Uh, okay. Um, let's see. Uh, the other 50K bonus um, – Went to uh, Alex Volkanovsky. Alexei Olenek got his for his uh, submission win earlier. Uh, and also Canadian Mike Mallett. Uh, he came in, USC debut. Uh, got a huge knockout victory over Mickey Gall. Uh, he said he wanted to give his appearance money uh, to his boxing coach uh, because his boxing coach's daughter was fighting cancer. And uh, he asked for people to uh, try to raise some money and, and give it to the foundation that they have set up. Um, he was handed hundreds and hundreds of dollars, if not thousands of dollars, as he was walking out of the cage back towards the dressing room. He showed a really thick envelope of money that he was given. And then when the reporters mentioned it to Dana White, Dana White said, hey, that kid can keep his uh, show money, his win money, and I'm going to donate that amount of money on his behalf. And uh, he can keep that money. He deserves it. He won it fair and square. I, I, I'll be the one to uh, make sure that that money goes to the, the family. So that was pretty cool of Dana White. Yeah. Yeah. Every once in a while, he does actually some pretty cool stuff. And then that's, that's, that's as good as it gets. You know, like, first off, for the man to say that I'm just going to give my money anyways, that just shows his character. Number one. Yeah. And it was great that Dana White just goes, you're just starting out. You need money as well. So I'll take care of that. And then that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, great to see another Canadian come in on his debut and get a big victory. Uh, we were mentioning, uh, you know, in the group I was watching the fights with on the weekend that there's not enough top-end uh, Canadian talent right now in the UFC, and uh, we're, we're sort of lacking uh, after, you know, we had a lot of cards here. We had George St. Pierre, obviously one of the greatest of all time. Uh, we had a lot of guys, but lately we've, um, yeah, we haven't really been turning out guys that uh, are near the top and, and ranked UFC fighters. Yeah. It, it's, it's almost like we've hit like a low. I, I don't want to say it's a decrease in talent, but right now we just don't seem to have the superstars that we once did have in this no. sport right now. Like it's almost like we're, we're lacking a little bit of superstars, but you know, with the, the rise of people like Kazmat Chemaev and people of that sort, we're getting there. We're getting back to a place where we're used to just yeah. seeing superstars all the time. Uh, okay. Uh, any other fights that you really, really want to mention? Uh, you know, the one that's jumping out to me is Ian Gary called the future. He's another guy out of Ireland, really, uh, uh, you know, full of bluster and, you know, s similar Conor McGregor kind of call outs and stuff. Uh, he got a decision win over Darian weeks in the uh, feature prelim uh what do you think of, of his, his performance gary looked great uh great footwork and great movement uh great in and out and uh his uh he, he threw great combinations great combinations I, I thought he was very hard for weeks to find he was very elusive weeks was trying to be patient with him but uh, even within his patience uh gary was still able to pick him apart at distance that uh, was a great win by Gary. He looks like a very, very good prospect. Yeah, and the other person I wanted, the other fight that I wanted to mention was uh, Dern versus Torres. Yeah. Uh, Mackenzie Dern won by split decision. It was a very, very close fight. Um, the fact that Tisha Torres managed to not tap on that ridiculous Kimura in the first, first round yeah. is amazing. As I thought she was going to get her, her shoulder blade torn off. Now, after that happened, though, I did notice this. She wasn't really throwing with that arm anymore. Yeah. So that could have been very, very injured after that attack. So I give uh, a lot of props to Dern. She looked fantastic. She looked great. And uh, whatever her new strength and conditioning that she's doing right now wow. is definitely working. I couldn't believe how jacked both those women were. Man, are they physical yeah. specimens. Uh, the arms on them both, uh, impressive. Uh, they were both really strong and powerful. And, and this was, uh, yeah, one of my favorite women's fights that I've seen in, uh, in quite some time. Yeah, it was a great, it was a great fight, great matchup. Um, I, I always enjoy watching uh, Torres fight, but uh, oof, those ladies really went after each other. Great yeah. fight. Uh, unfortunately, there was a few cancellations. Galvin Tucker, Pat Sabatini was canceled. Albert Duryev and Anthony Hernandez was also uh, knocked off the card. Hernandez ended up fighting friend. Uh, and then we've got um, the Jarzinho Rosenstrike march into Bura was, uh, fell off the card, as well as Kelvin Gastelum was supposed to fight and two different opponents uh, and uh, he had to pull out. So uh, we'll have to see those guys um, make, uh, make it right in the, in the coming weeks. But uh, we've got a, car, a card coming up this next uh, Saturday. Uh, Vincente Luque, Bilal Muhammad II. Uh, looking forward to that one. Uh, this isn't a big card like this past week, but 
Um, what do you what do you think we're going to see in, in that matchup? Great matchup. Uh, I think it's going to be a war. It's going to be a war. It, it's going to. It, I think it might come down to who's tougher. My tougher or you tougher? <laughs> I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a tough man competition, man. I think these guys are just going to throw down. I think it's going to be an absolute war. Is it going to be something on the scale of a uh, Bird Shemaev? Could possibly be. Could possibly be. Luke got the uh, knockout in their first matchup. Uh, it was in the New York City card in 2016. First round, 119 into it. And uh, Bilal's only had one loss since. Uh, he's won, I think, around 11 uh, out of 12 fights since. Um, he had a one no contest against uh, Leon Edwards where they had the accidental eye poke. So uh, Bilal's been on quite the heater. And uh, Luke is also uh, fighting really at the top of his game right now. And, um, yeah, this should be a, a heck of a battle. I'm excited to see these guys uh, square off. I think uh, I think it's, um, yeah, it was a really good uh, match made for, for, for these two guys. Uh, big prospects in that welterweight division. Yeah, I know. That's a great matchup. Great matchup. I love it. And uh, I'm, I'm very curious to see who's going to come out on top. Because like uh, I think their skills uh, skills wise they're they're pretty close. Yeah, Luke's won. Uh, let's see, uh, ten out of his last eleven, and his only f uh, loss was to Wonderboy. Uh, his last four after Wonderboy were Nico Price, Randy Brown, Tyron Woodley, and Michael Chiesa went there. So um, yeah, spectacular. A lot of prospects. A lot of. Um, uh, guys on the card, uh, lesser lights. Uh, Pat Sabatini gets a new opponent uh, on this one, TJ Laramie. Uh, the fight that you see as the first fight of the night on the main card has been um, rescheduled. Uh, they are looking for a opponent for Moray Lechez. Um, Dos Santos uh, had to pull out for some reason today. Uh, Devin Clark, William Knight, uh, that featured fight on the prelim card. Should be a hell of a battle. Yeah. Both have extreme power. I think somebody goes to sleep. I'm pretty sure that does not go to decision. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, um, awesome, awesome card. I do want to mention that uh, the UFC uh, announced that a fight between Cobb Swanson and Du Ho Choi uh, has made the Hall of Fame. Uh, it was an amazing fight, UFC 206, December 10th, 2016, in Toronto. I was there. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, it took me a long time to stop raving about it. I had goosebumps on it, my entire body. I couldn't believe the roar of the crowd in there. Uh, it was uh, one of those knock them down, drag them all battles that uh, you know both guys I was hoping would get their hands raised because uh, they both put it on the line there. It was one of the best fights I've ever seen live, and it was really cool to see that uh, it made the Hall of Fame. Uh, go watch it. Any of the fight fans that haven't seen that one, I recommend it. Uh, one of the, the best battles ever, and I'm, I'm really excited that it made the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it was one of those, those fights where both competitors were pushing, pushing each other past their limits. That's what that fight was. And it was, it's always amazing and fantastic to see 
just how much the human body can endure because both those men endured a ton of punishment. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was thinking he was going to get uh, Korean zombie two and moniker put on him. Uh, he, he was called Superboy. Uh, I've never seen Cub Swanson in a boring fight. Uh, he's been always one of my top favorite fighters. And um, I decided uh, I was going to make a trip to Cuba. And uh, on the, the, the flight plan, it was stop in Toronto, uh, be able to stay there for a day or two and get to see the UFC and then move on to Cuba and had a hell of a trip to Cuba. But I'm so glad that I was able to coordinate it and, and get to go to, to that card. Uh, it was it was one of those cards that uh, yeah I'll remember for many years. It uh, it was a lot of fun and and I yeah I, I you know I got to see one of the Hall of Fame fights uh, live. It was it, it was great. Uh, I yeah yeah as I said I just I can't say enough of how fun that was to witness live and and when you see a fight where it's a battle like that the crowd starts roaring and roaring and roaring and it becomes almost deafening. It's it's incredible. Yeah, yeah, because it, it's just, it's amazing to see because you get swept up in the emotion of the fight. The crowd is not immune to that. And then on top of that, if you put on a performance like that, like those two men did on that particular night, yeah, it's supposed to be praised because yeah. it's amazing. I, I remember that uh, I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen some fights back east in a while at that point. It had been a couple of years and I forgot how late they start, uh, main card starts at 10 p.m. Eastern. And this was pushing into one o'clock in the morning, uh, even later. Uh, the, the main car, the main event was Max Holloway and Anthony Pettis. And um, the, Max Holloway ended up knocking him out with 10 seconds to go in the fight. And uh, so it was pretty crazy how, how late it was, how the, those guys back east uh, have to endure these really really late nights uh, to watch the ufc pay-per-views yeah well but you know what they, then they get to rewarded with performances like that yeah. so it's like a little bit of a give and take but we on this side of the world on this side on the west love the fact that it is where it what it is yeah so. it's a lot earlier uh yeah. listen to the people that were on the card as well as i said holloway pettis donald cerrone matt brown uh, Tim Kennedy, Kelvin Gastelum. Then we had, uh, oh yeah. And then there was some really good fights on the prelims as well. Uh, we had Nikita Krylov against Misha Serkinov, Canadian. Uh, Olivier, Olivier Oban Mercier, Canadian, beat Drew Dober. And uh, there was a couple of fights that fell off the card that was brutal, but uh, Lando Venata beat John McDessie on the card. There was a bunch of Canadians on the card. Uh, the only fight that fell off that really disappointed me was Daniel Cormier and Anthony Rumble Johnson were supposed to, to fight on that card as well as Rashad Evans was supposed to fight Tim Ke Kennedy instead of Kelvin Gastelum. But that Cormier Johnson fight just uh, got canceled last minute. It was, it was really too bad. Yeah. It would have been, it would have really put him over the top of that fight, yeah. but uh, regardless, great card. Yeah. Great card. Uh, okay. The world of combat sports. Uh, let's just turn to boxing uh, as we finish off this. Uh, Triple G won his fight in Japan this past Saturday. Uh, Gennady Golovkin was able to get two of the middleweight belts at 147. 
Uh, ninth round stoppage of Ryota Murata. Uh, it was um, it was a heck of a fight. Uh, Murata won, I think, rounds two, three, and four, possibly even round one, and was really seeming to take it to Golovkin with great body shots and a lot of relentless uh, attacks. But Golovkin turned it around in the fifth round, was able to really put it on him. And uh, when he knocked him down in the ninth round, uh, Murata's corner threw in the towel and uh, said their fighter could fight another day. Uh, it was a hell of a battle. Did you see any of the highlights? Were you able to see some of this fight? No, unfortunately, I wasn't able to see any of the fight. But uh, I, I think I did hear of it just briefly on the Internet when I was kind of going through. And, uh, well, Triple G did it again. He's yeah. done it again. Like, he, he's still... He's still Triple G. He's still incredibly durable. Um, he took that guy's best shots and uh, was able to come out on top once again. Yeah. His record's now 42-1-1 and with 37 knockouts. He's 40 years old, so uh, it doesn't have long to go, but uh, beat a young prospect like that who was 16-2 with 13 knockouts. Uh, pretty impressive. Uh, he now holds the IBF and WBA belts. And um, they uh, set up this third trilogy fight against Canelo Alvarez, as long as Canelo can beat Dimitri Bivol, uh, May the 7th. Um, that really hinges on having this trilogy fight between them. Uh, it's, um, yeah, I, I, I hope it happens. Uh, we don't have to wait too much longer. As I said, May the 7th, uh, that's, that fight goes down. Uh, Canelo's record is 57, one and two with 39 knockouts and B-ball is defeated at 19 and 0 with 11 KOs. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I sure, I sure hope he can, he can get this victory and we get to see a third fight. Um, as I said, Golovkin's, you know, 40 years old now, but, uh, I still look forward to those two fighting against each other. Yeah. So do I, I definitely do. And, and now when I think about it, there's a very real possibility that Golovkin could retire after that fight. If yeah. that fight does happen, that there's, that he's going to go out with a bang. He said, I'll fight the best guy. And then that'll be it. Yeah. Could be. It. Yeah. And uh, this coming Saturday, Errol Spence Jr. Takes on uh, your Dennis. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that fight. Uh, that's the guy, the Cuban guy who ended Manny Pacquiao's career. Uh, it was supposed to be Errol Spence fighting Manny Pacquiao. Errol Spence had to have surgery on a detached retina and uh, wasn't unable to fight. So they found a late replacement in Ugas. Ugas shocked the world and beat Pacquiao, sent him into retirement. Uh, now Errol Spence will face him. And um, yeah, that should be a heck of a battle. Yeah, uh, that, that should be a great battle. Great matchup. Um, and I, I expect to see... Great things from Errol Spence in that fight. Great things. Because yeah. uh, he's supposed to be the next coming up, so to speak. Ugas won the uh, WBA title that night. Uh, he has the strap there. Uh, Spence has the w, uh, WBC and IBF championships. So this will be a little more of a unifying of the titles. Um, this happens in Texas. Uh, the winner of this fight likely fights Terrence Bud Crawford. And that would unify all the belts in that uh, weight class. And uh, 147 would be uh, under, yeah, just hopefully one undisputed guy. 
Uh, Spence comes into this fight 27 and 0 with 21 KOs. Ugas is 27 and 4 with 12 KOs. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't wait for this one as well. Uh, I'm going to definitely tune tune in and and uh, yeah, be hoping, hoping, hoping that uh, Spence Spence wins this because I'd love to see him and Crawford fight. Yeah, that's the fight that everybody wants to see. That's the fight that all boxing uh, fans want to see. They want to see the best of the best go at it. And those two, at that point in time, if Errol Spence gets past Lugas, would be both undefeated. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Pretty awesome. Yeah, so, man, it was uh, it's fun. Uh, I missed you. I'm glad uh, you were able to come in. I had to do it solo last week, and, and uh, it was a lot more challenging. Nice to be able to talk to someone and get their takes and and have a discussion. It was uh, it was fun, man. I hope you enjoyed it as well. And uh, yeah, enjoy the basketball this week and uh, USC coming up next Saturday. Yeah, man, it was good to be back in the saddle. Um, and uh, I am definitely going to be enjoying uh, watching some of the playoff basketball and some of the boxing coming up this weekend. It's going to be fun. Okay, man. Cool. All right. Well, take it easy. We will talk soon. Take care, man. Bye for now. All right. Bye bye for now. Okay. Wow. That was, uh, that was fun as always. Um, yeah. Whew, we're, uh, we're pushing it. hour and 40 minutes or something like that. Wow. Uh, pretty, uh, pretty crazy. Uh, how fast time flies. Uh, thanks for uh, sticking in right to the bitter end as always. I uh, want to thank our partners and sponsors um, anchor.fm the easiest place to make a podcast uh, phenomenal at posting on multiple platforms for us. I uh, really recommend if you want anything to do with podcasting, uh, just connect with anchor.fm. Uh, Verbero, the hockey equipment and apparel company, industry leader in technology, performance, and value. And as always, uh, the V350 stick is a must-have for any hockey player in your midst. Uh, I want to mention Pampas and Possibilities, designers of West Coast beautiful things for your home. Uh, just call them up and have them come in and uh, spruce up your home. Uh, they do an amazing job. As well as Forever Living, the aloe vera company for health and beauty products. Uh, fully recommend them. And you can purchase all these products on our website. Uh, they will give you some discounted rates uh, when you get us get the products through us. So uh, appreciate uh, your support. Uh, thanks, everybody. And uh, if you are listening, if you are watching, please call me, call me, send me a text. Uh, I don't have anybody's numbers, so I'm sort of twisting in the wind out here. Uh, I really want to communicate with all my friends and family, but uh, unable to do so uh, at this current moment. So uh, please uh, reach out. I look forward to hearing from you. Take care of yourself and have a really great week ahead. Uh, Easter's coming. We're on the cusp of Easter weekend. So I uh, hope you get a nice uh, holiday uh, with your friends and family. And um, yeah, have a great week. We'll talk soon. Take care of yourself. Love you lots. Bye for now.